Welcome to day eight of the 21 day weight loss challenge. Today, I want to speak about the interplay between sleep and weight. So I'm going to talk more specifically about the facts first so we can understand what exactly is going on in the body when we don't get restful sleep. And then we'll come up with an action plan and our journaling prompts that we want to maybe discuss about our own sleep patterns and kind of reflect upon that. So first of all, if we think about sleep, um, sometimes people struggle with falling asleep or staying asleep. So there may be lots of things going on here as well as far as health issues. Maybe you have sleep apnea and you require a CPAP, which interferes with your ability to fall asleep. Some people may find that using that allows them to get the deeper sleep. Others find they're struggling and fighting with the apparatus all night. Maybe your spouse snores. Maybe there you live in a place where there's a lot of other noise outside of your home. Maybe there's a lot of light where you're located. Again, there could be many different reasons, something that may be inhibiting restful sleep. But I wanted to under, let you understand what's going on inside the body. Just a few of the highlighted points that I'd like to make is one, first, it's impact on metabolic processes. Processes. Um, lack of sleep can negatively impact the body's metabolism, right, including the ability to process glucose efficiently. Studies have shown that people get less than six hours of sleep per night are more likely to have impaired glucose tolerance, which is a precursor to conditions like diabetes, which is directly linked to obesity. And then we have appetite regulation. So sleep deprivation affects regulation of hunger hormones like ghrelin and leptin. So ghrelin uh, signals hunger to the brain and leptin indicates satiety. And one way to remember this is ghrelin is like, like you're hungry, like your stomach is growling. And when you're sleep deprived, ghrelin levels increase while leptin levels decrease, leading to that increased hunger and appetite. And then this imbalance can lead to overeating and then the consequence of gaining weight. It can also influence your physical activity. So adequate sleep is essential for maintaining energy levels and motivation for physical activity. You know, when you're not sleeping well, the last thing you may want to do is go and exert your body. Sleep deprivation can lead to fatigue, making you less likely to also be engaged or mindful of your exercise, which can increase risk to injury and some other things. Maybe you won't push, be able to push yourself as hard. And then less physical activity not only contributes to weight gain, but also affects your overall health. We all understand that exercise has many, many benefits, including not only for physical health, but also for your mental health. Also, there's some impulse control and decision-making, right? So we all understand that lack of sleep can impair judgment and weaken our impulse control, particularly in decisions regarding food, food quality. So when you're tired, you're more likely to crave high carbon, high high highly processed foods or very high calorie rich foods, maybe something that's more palatable that hits our bliss point. Um, it's more of an uh, industrial word, but basically food scientists have found places that we call, they call bliss points. So when they create food, they'll get to a point, for example, sweetness, they'll test out different sweetness levels of foods, let's say for a donut, for example, and to the point that people are just want more and more and more, or to the, and the, the point where they stop is when the majority of people are going, I don't want this anymore. It's too sweet. So that's food is manufactured to have us crave it. So when we're fatigued, we're more likely to engage in those behaviors and partake of those foods that feed into our dopamine system. So that's just kind of the general 
uh, facts that are occurring. But I want to get to a few other things here that you can actually do to monitor your sleep. So here's the action step is really monitoring your sleep, being mindful of the things that we're doing on a daily basis to help set up ourselves for a good night's sleep. But, but first we have to understand what's actually occurring in our sleep. So one thing that I would say you could do is maybe your smartwatch, you could do a Fitbit, uh, Whoop is another one that I've used uh, throughout the, the months this last year, especially, found it to be really helpful because when I look at the data, because data is just data, right? It's it's nothing, but it is does give you some feedback on what actually heard that allows you more information and a wider perspective on what you might be doing or not doing well to help create a good night's sleep. So data is really helpful, but you have to put it in the context of things that have happened. Maybe you sleep really well and then one night or two nights you're worrying about something and you notice that you have decreased sleep. Well, maybe at that point we need to think about, well, let's reflect on what's causing our stress. How can we help deal with stress? Maybe we do some expressive writing or some journaling or we speak to a confidant about what's going on and why we're worried. So that's data can be very, very helpful. So when you set up whatever device you're using, make sure that you sit back and reflect on the data. And I would also encourage you to make any notes or jot down in a journal what happened the day before. Maybe you had a late meal or you were traveling, different bed, maybe you were sick with a cold, new medication. And then over the course of a week or so, you can sit back and look over time what's happening, what sets you up for a poor night's sleep, and what sets you up for a good night's sleep. So that also gets me back to the writing exercise, right? So really thinking about sleep and its impact on your life. So after reviewing your data, let's think about a few prompts that you could write about this week or today. <laughs> uh, sleep patterns. So you know, write down in your your journal, your total sleep time, and any instances of waking up during the night. Did you have trouble falling back to sleep or staying asleep? Were the causes because you had to urinate? Um, was it more than once a night? Were you waking up certainly like from hot flashes? Maybe you're going through menopause. Maybe it was you were worrying about something and you couldn't turn your mind off. What are those things that would disrupt your sleep? And by the way, it's normal to wake up in the middle of the night. What's abnormal is having to deal with not being able to fall asleep for hours. That's the piece that we want to work on. And then maybe think about correlation with eating habits, right? So reflect on your sleep pattern, how it might be affecting your eating habits. Do you notice a tendency to eat more or choose less healthy foods when you're tired? But also can be the opposite. When you have more energy because you slept better, do you make better choices. So again, look at the, the yin and yang of both of these things, things are occurring because when you have the full picture, that's when you can make better decisions. When you think about different perspectives and understanding that there is no right or wrong answer here. We're just looking for data so we can make better decisions to make our lives and our quality of lives better. So then also thinking about exercise and energy levels, maybe. So you do know any connections between your sleep quality and your energy levels, particularly when it comes to exercising or strenuous activity. Do you feel less motivated to exercise when you haven't slept well? On the converse, do you feel more motivated? Do you find that you're able to push yourself more, your perceived exertion level when you're exercising? Does that increase? Are you able to find that 
you do make some progressions, like let's say you're doing some resistance training, do you find that you're able to lift heftier, heavier weights and over the course of a week of good night's sleep that you're progressing more than weeks that you didn't? How about running or walking or any type of physical activity? Um, maybe you're more coordinated when you're doing something like tennis or shooting a basketball, uh, kicking a soccer ball. Again, looking at those things from multiple vantage points is not just faster or better in the sense of are you cutting off time or higher score, but how you're moving, injury, all of those things, your thinking game, because obviously many games require your brain to be thinking while you're active. So again, lots of different perspectives to take on how sleep affects your physical activity. And then another one, finally, I would say well, two more would be general mood and well-being, right? So how does the quality of sleep affect your mood the next day? Are there any noticeable changes how you feel and interact with others? Are you kinder or a little more short-tempered? So looking at that and then and finally improvement strategies. So based on your observations, what strategies can you use to implement and improve your sleep? You know, consider your bedtime routine. What are you doing to set yourself up for better for sleep? But I would also say you need to start thinking about everything you do from the moment you wake up is setting yourself up for a good night's sleep that night. So when you go out, for example, into the daylight, like morning walks, which is one of our prompts earlier in the last week when we were talking about exercise and weight, those morning walks are very good for dealing with stress. They also allow you to see sunlight, which again, causes some hormonal shifts in your brain saying, okay, in about 16 hours, I'm going to be ready for sleep. So it sets you up for falling asleep and staying asleep a certain amount of time, the circadian rhythm that's occurring. And also, you know, thinking, being mindful of the things that you're doing throughout the day. Are you um, consuming caffeine well beyond, let's say, eight hours before you go to bed? Um, are we eating too close to our bedtime? We should be giving ourselves approximately about three hour gap between the last meal and going to bed. Are we stressing about something? Are we working late? Are we exposing ourselves to these really bright lights? So that inhibits our melatonin from working and allowing us to get more and more sleep. So again, thinking about this as an overall picture, we want you to understand the entire picture in the context of day to day. And then over a course of a week or so, you will be able to look back and go with a little bit more clarity, not just looking at one day, but maybe seven days or more, understanding what your current patterns are. And then you'll be able to be your own detective in your own life and create a healthier sleep pattern. Because I really do believe food, sleep, and movement, if we can get these three things moving in the right direction, so many things are going to improve. It makes it easier to be mindful. It makes it easier to have positive relationships. It makes it easier to say, no, I don't want any more. I'm done eating instead of overeating when you're stressed. Again, so many things improve. But I know that's a simplified discussion, but I really wanted to share that with you today. And I will be back tomorrow with day nine of our 21-day weight loss challenge.